Uh, so welcome to Recovery Talks podcast. Uh, my name's Summer and this podcast is where people get together to share their thoughts, ideas and stories of recovery and what it means to them. Uh, with us today on Recovery Talks podcast, we're talking to Billy and Steph from the York Women Wellness Centre and we're just going to have a really nice chat about their experiences and what they know around, around recovery and particularly around the women that they work with. I'm Summer Stringer and I'm the Trauma and Wellbeing Coordinator for the Iris Project in Wolverhampton for Changing Lives and with me is... Uh, I'm Billy and I work at the Women's Wellness Centre in York and I'm Stephanie McCusker, I'm the Project Lead at the Women's Wellness Centre in York. Thank you both so much for joining me today to start this conversation um, and we really just want to start kick it off with just thinking about um, exploring recovery in general terms and within the Women's Wellness Centre and the sectors you've worked in in the past, what does recovery mean to you? Um, recovery, it's such an all-encompassing word. Um, I think people um, have the perspective that recovery can just mean recovery from substances, and that's not necessarily true, in my opinion. Recovery can mean recovery from anything, recovery from um, problematic relationships, um, mental health recovery, um, physical recovery from an illness or an ailment. Um, recovery can literally mean anything. I just see it as a journey um, to improvement and well-being in any aspect that you want. Um, you know, for me personally, my recovery and the ideology of recovery started when I um, got sober from substances, from drugs and alcohol. Um, when I was 21, I got sober. And for me, that's when my recovery started. And that was with drugs and alcohol. But it also started a journey of recovery and mental health self-love and self-acceptance um so i think it is something that needs to be used more for um different parts of life not just drugs and alcohol thanks billy yeah that that makes a lot of sense in terms of just thinking about it being a wider a wider remit than it just being around um what everyone naturally thinks it is which is around substances um steph what do you think about recovery yeah, I think that's really what, what Billy's just said. We recently spoke at the APPG on alcohol and alcohol harms, and there was a lot of really interesting discussions around um, addressing the reasons for someone's substance misuse and yeah. ties into what Billy said around um, it's not just the substances, it's the recovery from trauma, it's the recovery from the reasons that make you pick up in the first place. What are the challenges that are different for women, do you think, in terms of recovery? There's so, there's so many. I think um, this is a, a conversation that ha that we've been having really since I started working um, in recovery services mm. before I came over to women's services. And it started with a conversation around how mums in recovery, there are different expectations placed on them compared to dads in recovery. And that started a conversation and we started talking about uh, childcare provisions and how that can have an impact on uh, service engagement um, and, and barriers to services around childcare um, and also the stigma. Um, we talked a lot recently about how 
alcohol is marketed to women we were kind of having a conversation recently about how when you go and look at birthday cards and things in the the gift market a lot of it is based around alcohol and how alcohol is linked to having fun yeah been um, a, a video released um of of that discussion with the appg which which goes into that a little bit more i think that's on youtube um but yeah it, it's really interesting when you when you look at the challenges faced by women in recovery which are really different to the the challenges faced by men in recovery and um we've talked a lot recently as well about women who also experience domestic abuse who are also in recovery and that is a really large yeah. um, portion of our women in recovery are also dealing with domestic abuse and then um go into services where they do worry about being in the same place as their abuser or former abuser there is a stigma um you know in culture that moms who use drugs and alcohols are bad moms but dads who do the same things oh they're just enjoying themselves um there is so many double standards and then there are and me personally and women i've spoken to when we do come into recovery groups um it can be male dominated which can mean it's hard to share certain things and also unfortunately there have been cases of predatory behavior in some groups and that's just a fact it's something that people don't speak about um or it's very hush hush but there is a fact that there is some predatory behavior that goes on in these recovery groups um from both males and females on newcomers because as a newcomer you are vulnerable um and very impressionable um and there are people who will take advantage of that like in other areas of society you know that isn't just obviously restricted to recovery groups but it does happen and it can put some people off um and just like any other social dynamic situation um there's a lot of codependency um there's a lot of um if someone relapses some people like trying to bring everyone else down with you that can happen in codependent relationships um also if you are a female if you're a woman um, <laughs> if you're a woman if you're a woman in recovery and your partner is still using that's very challenging as well yeah and mm. a lot a lot of the women that I see um, also don't recognise that they're using is problematic, um, which is another, that's an, a barrier that needs to come across from the very get-go. It's just classed as a social norm. There's a, very much a hierarchy um, mm -hmm. of drugs and using, you know, alcohol and weed being socially acceptable and crack and heroin is um the devil do you know what i mean and that's not the case they're all substances they're all mind-altering substances but they're very much as a pedestal um in them also with you know i'm a um i'm in sex worker outreach and a lot of the um sex workers that i come across they rely on drugs and alcohol to get through the work that they're doing it's hard and challenging work, it's sex work. And a lot of the women that I speak to, they have to have a drink to get through um, their lifestyle. Yeah. 
um, it's a it's a crutch sometimes, and it's very very hard to get into when you're in a cycle of relapse and sobriety and relapse and sobriety. It's extremely hard to come out of it. Yeah, there was something interesting you both like um, linked and talked about, which is around the the point at which the stigma the, a woman becomes stigmatized, because we talked then about how the social norm of using using alcohol, for instance, um, as a oh, you've had a long day, have a glass of wine, it's okay. And that becoming a, 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 a it's, it's an okay thing. It happens across the across the cultures and across the country that that's an okay situation. But at what point does that, does a woman then in a, a scenario where they've got children or they're in domestic violence um, situation, that that stigma then changes, that you're drinking too much? Do you see what I mean? And what's what point's the line? And I think there's something about that, isn't there? When it sort of tips into what we or society consider to be unladylike behaviour, that's when this kind of stigma starts. Mm. So I guess that's one pers one perspective on it as well, where the stigma begins. Yeah. But then who deems what's unladylike behaviour? The patriarchy, somehow. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I think it's, it's really interesting then. I think we have to highlight those things that at some point someone makes a decision on what behaviour, what behaviour is acceptable for a woman, what behaviour is not acceptable for a woman. And then that also then stigmatises and puts us, puts barriers and challenges for us as women to kind of um, meet certain thresholds that haven't been designed by us as, us as women ourselves. Absolutely. And I think as well, um, something that we were talking about is the stigma that um, that some clients are using substances will still believe about themselves and others. We've had clients who have um, separated themselves from other users, using the same service and said, you know, I'm not like those other people um, that, that are out there. That's something that, that was mentioned in the APPG as well, mm. um, about how we put those stigmas on ourselves sometimes mm. and on, on other people. Mm, yeah, I... I've when I've been doing outreach I've spoken to some women and I've offered them a service which is open to everyone and they've declined it saying I'm not a heroin user I don't need that um it's a combination of pride ego and also societal norms what we've just been speaking about you know to go back to what would deem to be acceptable for a woman and what be acceptable for a man. Uh, if a man went out, got drunk, had a fight, no one would really think too much about it. You know, that's just what men do. But if a woman did it, it would be, oh my gosh, she's a bad mother. Um, look at the state of her. Everyone, it would be frowned upon. But for a man, it's almost, um, you know, I hear it. I guess it's expected of It's expected, it on a so thinking on from what we've talked about, and we talked we've talked quite a bit about recovery in terms of um, drugs and alcohol. But we, you mentioned at the beginning, Billy, about mental health, and I wanted to kind of ask the question about: Do people believe your experience from what you've seen? Do people understand or think about recovery in terms of mental health and recovering from mental health? Is that is that a concept? What do you think about that? I think it is a new and upcoming concept, definitely in the last couple of years, especially with lockdown, mental health has come to the forefront um, for good and bad reasons. Um, the conversation was sparked a lot more during lockdown about mental health and recovering from mental health and going on your own mental health journey, which is amazing. Um, 
I'm really glad that we're having this conversation um, and taking the stigma away from saying I'm in recovery. Um, it doesn't have to be a taboo word um, and it doesn't mean that you're in recovery from drugs and alcohol. It can be whatever recovery you want it to be. Um, mm. It is an all-encompassing term, like we said at the beginning. Um yeah, I think that's really interesting. There are um, different 12-step groups as well that aren't necessarily focused on substance misuse. Um, and even from disordered eating is something that the, the recovery term is used around that as well. Mm-hmm. Disordered eating, gambling, yeah. um, codependency. There are a lot of different fellowships and a lot of different opportunities for um, people to get recovery. There's also SMART which is great. Um, and yeah, I'm just really pleased that we're having a conversation more about this. There's, um, so talk, you've mentioned some of those really good programs and, and groups and things that are operating, but um, what else do you think needs to change and what do you think work, what else works well? Um, what, I need to, what needs to change? It needs to be more accessible. Um, for all demographics more women's groups women's only groups mm-hmm. um safe places um the stigma needs to end around drug and alcohol hierarchies that is the biggest one for me um all drugs and alcohol are the same and they should all be treated the same i think as well um there's something in stigma around harm reduction as well I think harm reduction is something that I believe is so so important and I think that there's this kind of idea that harm reduction equals enabling which absolutely does not and I think more raising awareness about harm reduction, more knowledge around harm reduction, mm-hmm. removing the stigma from harm reduction is absolutely vital to keeping people safe and keeping communities safe. Do you want to tell me a bit more about um, what, you're, what you do with Women Wellness Centre around potentially supporting people around recovery or um, anything else that you feel that you ha- have in terms of activities or programmes or things that you feel that women are really benefiting from? Yeah, so I think the one that springs to mind is that we run the Beyond Trauma group. So that's the Stephanie Covington, A Healing Journey Beyond Trauma. That's a 12-week course. And in that course, she links um, trauma and and healing really closely to substance misuse and recovery. So that's something that's focused on a lot in that that group and in that course Mm. that women find really, really helpful. So... It's a it's a safe place for women to meet every week for 12 weeks and we discuss trauma, where trauma comes from, how trauma presents itself, co- different coping techniques. And it's really, um, yeah, it's really about un- understanding trauma, but then understanding what to do with it and how to go mm. on your own healing journey. It's a combination of CBT, mindfulness. Mm. Uh, we have a bit of yoga in there mm. as well. Um, it's it's a great course. So that's the one that, that first springs to mind. And we've had a lot of women who are in recovery from substances on that course who have found it really, really beneficial. Mm. Other things that I've been thinking about, um, 
We are doing sex work early drop-ins. We have drop-ins already on a Wednesday. Um, and also we're hoping to do a needle exchange here um, for women only. Yeah, so we are just in the recruiting process now for a York drug and alcohol worker who is going to be based here, who is going to have a case of women um, who are uh, engaged in the drug and alcohol service, but who also have criminal justice involvement. Mm. So that's really exciting. I always think it's quite interesting when we think about safety and think about risk as well. Um, and there's something about creating safe spaces or environments for women that are, that are specific for them. So what's your feelings about those in terms of that? Yeah, so there's physical safety, but there's also mental and emotional safety. So it's really important for us here to have a trauma-informed service in a psychologically informed environment. And mm. the it's very non-clinical it's very homey here as well mm. so the service itself is not signposted it just looks like a house on a regular street so to to an outsider you would just look like you were coming to somebody's mm. house nobody knows why you're here so even as soon as you come through the door we want to promote this feeling of of safety physically and mentally and emotionally with a psychologically informed environment and trauma-informed support. Mm, from my own personal experience, um, sitting in cold church halls, <laughs> in fellowship groups or attending a hospital isn't the most inviting um, atmosphere and it also excludes a lot of women um, because there's no childcare. We have a crush here. Um, mm. Women can bring their children with them. Um, and it's a very welcoming environment. You know, I remember when I first came here as a client and it felt like you're stepping into a home, not an office. Mm. Um, I feel that way now. Um, it, isn't, it isn't scary. And the minute you come through that door, you're made to feel at home. Um, and that's what we pride ourselves is having a personal touch rather than a clinical approach mm -hmm. to women uh, every woman has a story and there is a judgment-free zone um yeah where we empower women to make their own choices and to better themselves because they want to not because society says they need to yeah it's really important for women who come through the door here to set their own goals and we support women to work towards their goals rather than um, having our own agenda that's really important yeah it is it's about it's about ownership it's about uh, independence and that choice isn't it really and I think that that's that a lot of times especially for the women we support in probably the service I work in and both in yours is that they're getting so much pressure to fit into fit into specific rules that are deigned by other people and they don't get a choice in it they have to do that because it but it could be social services it could be um it could be also it could be the, their partners it could be all sorts of things so the fact that you create spaces or we all create create spaces for women where they have their own choices and they can do something if they want to and they don't they don't um is really important yeah absolutely it's all client-led everything that we do here mm. Yeah. So you mentioned about children and um, and just just kind of wrapping up in terms of last questions. And I just thought it's quite interesting to think about um, the women we support as 
with children, it's they've got a fa it's, they're already a family in terms of having those children, but in terms of wider support networks and families, and especially for women in recovery, how we, how have they expressed how they feel around their families feel about their recovery or them being in recovery or struggling with drug and alcohols or anything else, and what have you noticed in your experience around that? From my experience, a lot of the women um, we meet, their family and community is from, um, I'm not sure what the term is, there, there is a lot of using already established in the family. Um, and if that is the case, it can be extremely hard to um, focus on your own recovery. Um, when women are put in the position when they are the caregiver for a lot of the family. Mm -hmm. If your family is already in that situation, how are you supposed to make positive changes? You know, I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. Not all addicts or people in recovery have um, a history of, of addiction in the family, but it is, it is a common denominator across women and men, and especially with women who are normally put in the position of primary caregiver, um, to, to family members, that is extremely difficult to make positive decisions for yourself um, when you are always expected to look after other people who are making bad choices, who may be making bad choices and unhealthy choices around you. It's, it's you're between a rock and a hard place. And I think that makes it even harder for women to enter recovery. Yeah, we have we we, uh, we have a lot of women on our caseloads who are um, really determined to break problematic cycles and that want to make really good choices for themselves. You've both been amazing and it's been really interesting to hear your insights and then for you to tell us a little bit about your experiences and uh, and know more about what happened at, at the wellness centre and um, I just want to say like a massive thank you from me for being part of this conversation with me today. Thank you for joining us in today's Recovery Talk session. This is a Changing Lives podcast and presented by me, Summer, and edited by Bridget Hamilton. Today I was joined by Billy and Steph, and for more information about some of the topics discussed in today's podcast, you can visit our website at www.changinglives.org.uk. Thanks. <laughs>